on Daf Tes Amud Beis. We are probably like ten lines from the bottom, and we're up to Am Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says, "Bnei Yisrael Shegiul Pirkan." So Jewish girls that are reaching physical maturity, puberty, but they're not yet 12 years old. So the problem is that they're starting to sprout hairs, and they're embarrassed because they're not yet of age. Is she considered an adult? Probably not their eyes. We're saying it's a monument shanim. What? She she could be a night no. And Ira is from when she's, when she's a Gedayla. The Gedayla with Simonim, without Shanim, not. It goes the other way. For example, a Bar Mitzvah boy, uh, the, 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 they won't let a Bar Mitzvah boy do things. They need a Gadol Daraisa um, right away until we could assume that he's old enough that we could assume that there's Simonim as well. Because some of a boy turns 13 doesn't necessarily mean that he's physically a Gadol. Uh, let's say let's say Bar Mitzvah boy has a re, is Parsha Zohar, which creates a Tarish Darais. They wouldn't let him read the Parsha Zohar. Or Parsha Paro, which according to Lattery Shainam is Darais. They wouldn't let him read that. So, again... How, so, how are we allowed to say a bracha, right? What do you mean? How could they say a bracha? What do you mean? Uh, a, a cotton could say brachas. It's not a problem. What? It's not a problem, right? A cotton, it's not just not a problem. There's a, there's a chiv of chinuch. And you can say all the brachas. Shem Hashem, right? The question is, what is, is it just practice? Or is he getting an element of a mitzvah? But that's not for right now. But the point over here is so that so they want to get rid of the extra here. So so we have different ways of doing. It. Depending on their financial status, will determine the material they use. Ania is to poor girls take places and besid. They take plaster. They take cinder blocks. No, they take plaster and they put it on their skin. It's just like a waxing, and they remove the hairs. Ashirois, rich girls take places and besidless. So then they they. Again, a lesson of people, I guess, that they apply onto them or they remove the hairs with flour. But as Malachim, the princesses, the daughters of kings, B'Shem Amar, they use a special mar oil, Shinemar, as the Pazik says in regards to the girls that Akashfirish was going to be with, Shisha Chadashim B'Shem Amar. For six months, they were busy with Shem Amar uh, for these purposes. What is Shem Amar? My Shem Amar. What is Shem Amar? Avuna Barchia Amar Bhuna. Son of Chia says, You want to know what Shem Amar is? It's Sateches. What does Satechas mean? Ravim Barami Omar Shemin Zayas. Ravim Barami, Ravim Son of Ami says, What is Satechas? This is how it's explained um, somewhere. Maybe Rashi explains like this that he's, this is not another opinion. He's defining Satechas. Satechas means Shemin Zayas, olive oil. Shlehibi Shlish, it is less than a third ripe. So I guess they would, they're from the early harvest of the olives. The oil that comes from there, that's called Shem and Amar. There's certain uh, special qualities that it has. And these qualities make it appropriate to be used for this, for this purpose. Uh, let's see, let's just jump to Rashi for a minute. Uh, so we're four lines from the bottom of Rashi. So for here, meaning for, to physics for puberty. Rashi says, They're not 12 years old in one day. The reason why it says one day is because 
until the it's not the last day of the of the eleventh year that she's a gedayla. It's the first day of the thirteenth year that she's a gedayla. And same thing with bar mitzvah. Right? Uh, again, the, pretty much goes without saying. It's, it's the it's the thirteenth birthday. Um, is the first day of the boy's fourteenth year. That's why. That's why in in Rishayim and the Gemara it always says twelve and one day, thirteen and one day. It just means it's not the last day of the twelfth or thirteenth year. It means the first day of the next year. Anyway, so she's not yet twelve years old in one day. Shadain inay din sheihilahem sar or seir. It's it's not din. It doesn't mean that. There's, an, there's no prohibition for it to have here, but it means it's not appropriate. And they're embarrassed for getting these hairs, so they want to remove them. So what do they do? If they're poor, so then they apply lime onto their wherever the area is where there's hair, and the lime, when they remove the lime, they remove the hairs. And on peaking, oh, on peaking, no, we didn't see yet. Okay, so we'll see what that means in a minute. So basically, we said that depending on their financial class, that's going to say what type of material that they're going to use uh, to remove the hairs. Let's just see if there's anything here that we're missing. No, I don't think so. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's where I saw this. It's Rashik Savyat who says that Sateches, Rabbi Barami is not saying another opinion. He's defining that Sateches means oil, that it, the olive oil that has not yet ripened a third. It's from the early harvest of the olive of the olive oil. Let's go back to the Gemara. Uh, we're one, two, three, four, six lines from the bottom, second to last word on the line. Tanya, Nami, Tanya, Tanya, we learned in a bright so. Okay. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, What's anpikinon? It's shem zash It's olive oil that has not yet, um, that has not yet ripened the third. saying, Why do we use this oil? Why do we smear this type of oil on her body? Yes. So what's between anpikinon and satachas? So that's true, I don't know. I don't know if it's just another word. Oh, it's the same thing. Let's look at Rashi. Three lines from the bottom of Rashi. An pikinon, hainu an pikinon. Oh, hainu an pikinon. This is an pikinon. Dictani hasam ba menachos. An pikinon leyavi hainu oisus shemen shel ismizisim. We're saying that so we're not yes anachnam. We're saying this is an pik this sateches. We're, we're, we're struggling to define Shem and Amar. So first we say it means Sataches, and that doesn't help us. So we say it means Shem and Zayashlevi Shlish, and we're saying another word which perhaps they were more familiar with was Ampikinon, which also means Shem Zayashlevi Shlish. Either way, it's another way of referring to the same thing. And we say, Why do they smear this oil on their body? It removes the hair, and it makes the, the skin look healthier. It makes it red when you pull it off. And that was something that that they wanted to do. Yeah. Okay, so now Rabibi. Havali Brata, Rabibi had a daughter. Tafla Iver Iver. So he applied. It doesn't say which which one of these things that he did, but whichever one, whatever 
and maybe it was Sid, maybe it was uh, Shemen, maybe it was Silas, whatever it was. He used the appropriate um, ingredient, appropriate agent, and it seems like he applied it to his daughter, each part of her body separately. And through this beautification process, he improved her physical appearance to the point that she was so attractive, Shakoba. He was able to get for her 400 zuz um, when she got married. So what, what exactly does that mean? I don't know if it means a ksuba maybe. A regular ksuba is 200 zuz. So he was able to get a double ksuba for her because uh, she was so attractive. It doesn't seem exactly... Um, Rashi just says, Vishakoba... Abramia Zuzi Shin Nisyafta however you say that she, she improved her beauty, she beautified herself and she was able to take that much from her husband. Or maybe maybe he was Makadish her with four hundred Zuz. No, Shakal Ba it sounds like that's referring to the father. It doesn't say Shakla. So talking about that the father got four hundred I don't know, maybe he got a Either his makadashur with 400 zuz or he had a ksuba of 400 zuz, but she became a very valuable commodity after doing this process. But now he had a neighbor who tried to copy this. Hava hahu, we're on the third to bottom line now. Hava hahu kuti b'shivavuse. It was a certain guy in his neighborhood, the Havali Brati, he also had a daughter. So instead of doing it the way uh, the Rabibi did it, when he did one part of her body at a time, he decided to go all out. And he did the whole thing. And he, her whole body. Well, Mesa, when she died, he killed his daughter by, I guess, overdosing on lime application. <laughs> Maybe she was suffocated. <laughs> yeah, Rashi said, the top of the Kula of the Chadzim, the bottom line of Rashi, the top of the Mavikar Abibi, Umesa. Does mean she actually died? Let's see, she died. Why had she died? She died? The Gentile was unable to tolerate the tremendous pain because of the application of that much lime at one time. Okay. Okay. So apparently she couldn't deal with the pain. So, um, so Amr Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, Rav Bibi, Rav Bibi, the Shasi Shikhra, he used to drink beer. Bayan Bansei Tafla, so his daughters require. Uh, application, meaning that because he's uh, a beer drinker, so his daughters are going to sprout hairs uh, which are not age appropriate, and therefore he needs this type of uh, olden day electrolysis, whatever type of uh, laser hair removal that they were doing. And none, but us delicious, we don't drink beer. Our daughters don't drink beer. So, if you don't want your daughters to have extra hair, then don't drink beer, apparently. That's what he's saying. For beer causes. No. So he drank and they grew here. For beer causes excessive hair growth and thickening of the flesh, and it causes the skin to darken in color. That's Rashi Xavyad. Um. 
So my drinking too. What straps does that? Meaning. One second, I'm not sure, <coughs> but I, I skipped a few words in the Gemara, I just noticed this. Yeah, but hold on one second, it was skipped, on the second line, it says, uh, Omar, the, the, the guy said, Katla Bibi Lebrati, he was blaming Rav Bibi for killing, he said, Bibi killed my daughter. So, you know, he says clearly, Rav Bibi, the Shasi Shikra. So he's saying that if yeah, if Rav Bibi drinks beer, then his daughters require this. I don't know if that means it's something that they inherit. The Gemara doesn't say that though. Rabbi Rabbi means Rabbi's family. Doesn't sound like that. So Rav Nachman said that because Rav Bibi is drinking beer. He needs to do this for her daughter, right? But, but I'm not drinking beer, so I don't need to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, why they weren't drinking beer? Why? Yeah. Because they like it. No, why were they not drinking beer? Oh, I don't, I don't know. They're drinking vodka. Ah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Maybe it's the daughters. Yeah, maybe the daughters are drinking. I don't know. Okay. Let's see how we're doing on time. Okay, so let's let's go to the Yerum and all. I won't see another Mepharshim saying anything here. <laughs> so going back now to the Mishnah. No, but why would you have to say that he's drinking beer in his house, right? Uh, he's drinking beer at his house, right? Where did he say he was drinking at his house? I don't know. His household. Oh, in his household. So, yeah, okay. I guess so. Fine. So let's say the daughters were also drinking. Our, our school's masking to Jeff, so we must be right. It doesn't say she's drinking. The Gemara doesn't say it, but our school does. Well, uh, his household. It means what? Doesn't mean his house was drinking. His household means the the bene bias, right? So if you have beer on the table, then then of course the daughters are going to drink the beer as well. Maybe a smell. The smell was like secondhand drinking. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if yeah, yeah. Sometimes for smoking, for example, right? I understand. That's where I'm coming from. But yeah. I, I don't think being exposed to it. The, the difference is smoking, the whole concept of smoking is inhaling the smoke. So if someone else is inhaling the smoke, he's getting secondhand smoke. Yeah, but drinking is not smelling the drink. Same yeah. Okay. I, I had I a Rebbe once. I hear. Not, <laughs> not really Rebbe, but when we were on camp once, there was a rabbinic figure who, unfortunately, he was smoked. And he used to always go with his two-year-old son when he went to smoke. And for us, it was more entertaining than disturbing because of our age. And we used to ask him, you know, what's going, what's going on here? Says, you know, if you want to put your own life at risk, that's fine. Mind you, perhaps some of us were smoking with him. But the question, why are you bringing your little kid here? See, he said that he had a bunch of kids, and this was his favorite. He's like, if I go, I want to take him with me. <coughs> Inappropriate, right? <laughs> okay. But the point is... I don't know what the point in that was. Okay, let's move on. Now, We'll take that off the record. So now we're talking about sewing on Cholomite. And we're saying that for sewing, and we barely sew in today's society, right? Something rips, you throw it out. Um, 
but they didn't have the opportunity to, to get new clothing like we do, so things were fixed. And their clothing is probably better quality as well. So a hediot, but so we're saying that the Mishnah said that a hediot, a regular person, and it was not a professional tailor, they can sew in the regular way, and a professional tailor has to change. And the Gemara said, the Gemara said that he's machliv and machliv, and we'll see what that means in a minute. So Gemara says like this: How do you know if you're a professional tailor or not? If David, are you a professional tailor? Why? Ah, because I need this. Yeah. No, you know. are, uh, are you a professional tailor? I'm not. You're not. I'm not a professional tailor either. But the Gemara says, how do you know if you're a professional? Hey, can me How do you know if someone's a regular person who's not a professional? I'm reading the Rabbiani. The seven of the Mishnah of Rabbiani. Koshini yochol lahutzi maloi machat bevasachas. Any person that is unable to pull a complete thread in one time is not a professional. And the way Rashi explains, we'll see it inside in a minute. What this means is that some people can do one stitch at a time. Stick in the needle, and then you pull it all the way tight. Stick it out the other side, pull it all the way tight. A professional go in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, and then they pull it tight. Without, without everything getting messed up in the middle. So... If you want to know if you're an Uman or not, being that a regular person who's not trained or has not trained themselves to do this is not unable to do that, then you know that that person is not an Uman. So therefore, if something rips on the Cholomayd or on Yantif and now you want to repair it, someone's, a simple case, someone's hem came down at the bottom of their pants or a skirt, and you want to sew it back up, assuming that you have a needle and thread, so you're allowed to you let it you're allowed to sew it back up. Or someone like us, you just figure out a way to kind of get it in and out. Let's just say that's mutter because you can't go all the way in and out. Then it's pull tight. But an uman is not allowed to do that. Rabbi Omar. I thought it said besfas chalukai. Is that? What is it? Chafas. Chafas. Oh, the hem of his of his uh, tunic. So of his, this is where like one a long undergarment or overgarment. So if they can't make straight stitches at on the hem of his chalak of his tunic, let's hear Rashi. Tefer Kedarka says the first Rashi. What's a headed? That he's not considered to be a professional, that he's permitted to go and do it, he's permitted to go and sew in the regular way. So, a full need, a needle full in one shot. What does that mean? He doesn't have the ability to gather together uh, the thread that he's sewing. When he sews, he, he sticks in the needle. Is, is when he pokes with the needle many times. Like the full length of the needle. Then he pulls the whole needle out. So he comes out, he's a lot of stitches with one pull. And someone knows how to do it, he's a professional. So it means more than actually what I said. It's not talking about the thread, it's talking about the actual needle. I don't know how long their needles were. Let's say they have a five inch needle. I don't know. I'm imagining that our needles are much smaller, but even in the same needle. So the needle is a hard thing, right? It's going through a soft uh, baguette, but he's able to do the needle in and out and in and out. 
So he's kind of like making a accordion, I guess, out of the baguette. And then he pulls it out, and boom, you have a whole stitch of a, a long area. So that is something that that only a professional could do. So if you can't do that, then you're... And you, a person who cannot do that, that person is identified as a hadith, as a non-skilled tailor, and therefore they are allowed to sew in the regular way. The second test is she'en yachol in imro bechefes chalukai. So he cannot, uh, he doesn't have the ability to be mechavin, literally means to make it straight, that with the hem of his tunic. What does it mean? So he cannot stick the needle into this thick baggage, that they would make the hem, so they make it thick so it doesn't rub out. In some places he's making it shorter, in some places he's making it longer. So I think it means that, that he wants to align the bottom of this. They had an extra piece of material to reinforce the bottom. It's like you see by a door, right? You have like that metal thing because people tend to kick it or whatever. So people would do the same thing at the edge of their <coughs> at the edge of their chaluk. So it takes a skill to be able to align the bottom of the hem of this reinforced piece of material with the bottom of the actual tunic. So a professional, it would be exactly even. If, if when you do it, it's not exactly even, that means that you're not considered to be a, a professional. But I want to just back out here for a minute. And uh, I think this might be the first time we're talking about Amaitsu Uman. Till now, we were discussing Tircha, not Tircha, <coughs> Simcha, not Simcha, <coughs> Tircha Rabim, and things like that. Why does it make a difference if, if it's called a Maitsu Uman or it's not called a Maitsu Uman? And this is very practically, um, this is very applicable in Cholmoy. Right? If somebody has an issue at home, if you have a stuffed toilet, let's say, not the greatest example, it's not the most wonderful example, but it's, it's common, especially if you have a lot of people. So, and one bathroom. And one bathroom. Or even if you have more than one. So now the question is, are you allowed to fix that with Cholmoy? So is that a Maitsu Uman? Is it not a Maitsu to call a plumber, you have to call a plumber. Hopefully, you don't know how to. You don't have to call a plumber if it's a and you can do it with a, with a plunger. Then it's not a mitzvah. It's mostly to be done a by. Let's say you have a you have a problem that even with that it doesn't work and there's something stuck and you have to snake it. So then maybe that's questionable if that's a mitzvah or not. Maybe. But if you have to call a plumber, he has to come down with his tools and open up a pipe. That would that would also to be done a cholamay. So, yes, there could be a term for tzarek rabim. That is true. But um, but but um, you wanted just the definition of ma'isuman and not ma'isuman. Yes, yeah, so this is just an example for sewing. But uh, but uh, what I want to know is why is ma'isuman asr and Why can't I do something that's ma'isuman? I don't know the answer to that question. He's not doing this as his professional work. Let's say uh, uh, this person is a professional tailor. <coughs> if two people, right, they both want to add a hem to the bottom of their tunic. One of them is a hadith, one of them is a uman. They're both doing it for their own personal chalak. Uh, so the hadith is allowed to do it. It's not going to be straight. It's not going to be perfect. The is not allowed to do it. They're both not doing it professionally. Right? They're both doing it for personal gain or for the family or whatever. But because this is your profession, because you're a professional at this particular skill, this technical know-how, so therefore it's not permitted for you to, for you to do it. 
So did we see anything about this in the Mishnah? Where's the Mishnah? Chesmer Beis, right? Okay, so this what this concludes the last Mishnah. We said, "I had to have good dark room and machin was talking to Smithus recently." Darkish bed. We learned about the because it helps. It helps you to grow professionally. Yeah, and so what? You cannot grow. You can't grow professionally in Cholamod. Why not? Why? Cholamod is for holiday. So we know. Out that the, that the I don't know. I don't know. I, I know that one of the categories, maybe in the introduction we talked about this, one of the categories of malacha that's a problem on Cholomayid is if it's a Maisa Ummah. No, it actually doesn't bring it over here in the introduction. The Chavin Malachta in the Mayid. Maybe it looks. Derek's here is working for hire. Maybe it looks like you're working for hire. I'm not sure. But let's leave this on the side. Um, let's leave this on the side for now. But the bottom line is that if it, if it looks like a Maisuman, it's awesome. Okay, let, let's move on. Let, what do you do if someone's a professional tailor? So we say that he can't sew in the regular way, but he has to be machlev. What does machlev mean? So the Maharaj says, my machlev, what does machlev mean? Shabiachanan says, mafsia, mafsia literally means to take a wide step. And Rabbi Shmuel Amar Shinei Kalbasa seems to mean the teeth of a dog. What in the world does this mean? So let's look at Rashi. <laughs> so it's like six lines down in the skinny lines. Hachayet, the tailor, Machlev. He does Machlev. What's Machlev? So the first opinion was Mafsia. Rabbi Yechonin said it means Mafsia. Sheina Tefer Biyashi doesn't sew straight. El Mafazir Hatfir. He disperses. He randomly sews. The Kari Machlev is called Machlev. Oh, so the question is, if, you know, Machlev has the root of Kelev in it. So why is Mafsia, when you're scattering the stitches, why is that called machlev? Shedem and machet, the places where he sticks in the needle, is they're similar in distance, or not just in the way they're set up. The shini hakelev, like the teeth of a dog, their distance from each other, like the teeth of a dog. I have not studied closely the teeth of a dog. Apparently, they all need braces. Anyone, does anyone know that? As for a fact. Apparently, dog teeth are not are not straight, and they're they're all over the place. Okay, uh, but so that's Rashi. So therefore, this is called like shine hakelv. That's what it's called machlin. The second answer, Rabbi Shmuel says kalbasam. Shine teifer kedark. You don't sew in the regular way. Where you stick the the insertions of the needle are close to each other. So you, st- you insert the needle one time above, one time lower down. 
Lachi Karle Kalbasan, that's what it's called Kalbasan. Why? Lachi Kaima Shine Akelev. This is how the teeth of the dog are. One is higher than the other. I don't know if it means higher, like long and short teeth, or higher mean higher up as in area, areas of the mouth. But that's what it means, Shine Kalbasan. So, what's the difference between Mafsia and Shine Kalbasan? To me, it seems like from Rashi that that mafsia seems to be more random, that you're just the stitches, whereas shine kalbasa is a pattern which which uh, mimics that of the dog of a, the teeth of a dog. Let me just see if there's anything. If you look at Rashi Ksav Yad, in the inner margin, so Rashi says Mafsia, probably like 25 lines into the Rashi's there. So Mafsia Tufer Mehira, he sews quickly. Tfiras Rachakizumizum, stitches that are distanced from each other. Bestayer Balaz, Bestir, maybe, I don't know. Can she, can, Jeff, you, you know French a little bit? <coughs> Very little. Is there a word bastir or something like that? Mm-hmm. All right. That sounds like our Rashi. Rabba Omar Kalvaso. Okay, so he's a different gear. He doesn't have teeth of a dog. His gear is just Kalvaso, which is dog. The shame Tfiro Kahi. Tfiro Shane Yafa. Tfiro Akhazmatam. <laughs> so there's actually the name of a certain type of stitching pattern, which is called kalbasa, not shine kalbasa. The reason why it's called kalbasa is because it's similar to shine kalbasa. But the point, I think the point of both of them is pretty clear, is that a professional has to purposely uh, stitch in a way that's, that's abnormal, and not in a professional way, either in a, like a random way, that they, normally they would stitch straight across. They would have to do one here, one here, one here, and you know they have to do it in a more random way. Or it could be even in a pattern: one up, one down, one up, one down, like the teeth of a dog. So, so the uman is sewing like a hijab, so to speak. It's difficult for a professional to be unprofessional, so he has to be systematically unprofessional. Um, Right, you can't just tell a professional, just don't do it professionally. That's how he sews. And so that's what you say. He's doing in this specific way, which is the result is not the professional result that he would naturally produce. Um, let's start the next Gemara. The next Gemara talks about setting up beds on Cholamayid. So, Mesergin Esamitas. So, apparently, their beds were some sort of metal frame with maybe hooks or some sort of protrusions around the edges of the frame, and then they would tie ropes in, uh, in a tight way across them in a crisscross way that it would be able to support something on it. They would put probably straw on top of that. Then ultimately a person would lie down on top of that. That was their bed frame and their mattress. So now we're talking about setting up that uh, that initial uh, bed frame. So where it says, my mis- so it says, misargonus amitos, so you're allowed to Set up that bed. What does that mean, Masargin? My Masargin. Well, my Maskin. Because there was a Machlekes in the Mishnah if Masargin is permissible or not. First opinion said in the Mishnah that Masargin is a mitas. 
And Rabbi Yossi Amr Masr. Yossi says, no. Whatever Masargan is, is not permitted on Chalmayim. Rather, you have to do something else, which is called Mamaschen. <coughs> so we want to assume the role of a dictionary now and understand what these words mean. The Gemara says, my Masargan or my Mamaschen. What is Masargan that's permissible according to everybody? What's Mamaschen that's only permissible according to Rabbi Yossi? So Kiyos Rav Dimi, when Rav Dimi came, Omar, he said, They argued, but Tarvayu and both of them are the Chizkiyo. They were both coming in the names of Chizkiyo and Rabbi Yechina. I guess one was in the name of Chizkiyo and the other one was in the name of Rabbi Yechina. So Khan Omar, one of them said, Misargin is Shesi Ariv. So Shesi is the length. And Ariv is the width. It's called Ariv because that was the one that when you mix, it was like Ma'ariv. So it kind of brought it all together by going up and down, up and down. The warp and the weft. I never remember which is which, but the length and the width I know. Um, maschin, which is the only, which is the only thing that's permissible, it's just the length. The Khanam of the other one says, Masargin is Shasibiliyarib. Masin Shimhayrofa The other second opinion is that Masargin means just the length. And Masargin means you can't even do anything, you just let it tighten it if it's already there. We're going to have to hold here uh, for Marif because it's already 9.31. And we'll continue next time, Mitzvah Shem.